This is Acts of Faith. Every day, World Team works to transform communities, make disciples, and reach the unreached. Our unique teams innovate, multiply, and expand the reach of the gospel. Our vision and aim? To make Jesus known. Together, we share the hope of the gospel on a global scale by meeting the needs of communities. These are our acts of faith. Brian and Jen arrived in the Middle East in 2014 with their firstborn child, eager to start ministry among Muslims in a secure country. Now they find themselves back in the United States with their three children, unable to return to the work they have been involved in for nearly a decade. They sat down with us to share about their ministry in the Middle East and how God is preparing their family for what is yet to come. What was your experience like arriving in the Middle East for the first time? It was very surreal mm-hmm. um, getting there, especially uh, the city that we first arrived in was very desert-like. Everything that you kind of envisioned uh, or seen movies about going to a Muslim uh, country, that was very much where what it felt like. You had all of the mosques and the, the call to prayer going off, and uh, that was quite eye-opening, but I think a lot of it, you spend so much time preparing and getting ready to go that you, there's relief that you're finally doing what you've been talking about doing for the last how many years. I think there was also a little bit of reality setting in that it wasn't you know, you can have great plans of how things are going to go and they're going to help us with our language learning and this and that. And inevitably, you know, things don't go exactly how we plan and and that's okay, but it takes the readjusting of expectations. And uh, I remember, well, especially that first year, but specifically those first few months, just really crying out to the Lord, like, this is, is this really what I wanted? Or is this, this is maybe different than I expected. I need you so much more. Uh, and the thought of like, how am I ever going to learn this language? And how am I really going to ever connect with these dear people? Uh, and will I ever feel like I'm not just so incapable? Uh, it's kind of, you know, you go back to, I feel like I'm a little, just a little kid. I can't really do anything. So, um, but anyway, yeah, there was a lot of uh, clinging to God, in the, especially in that beginning. I mean, we should always be clinging to God. But I remember specifically being at a very, like, low points of, I, I, you know, I don't feel like I can keep going, but God, you're there. I know you're there. Help me, please. Are there ways that God reminded you of why you were there? Well, uh, five times a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had the call to prayer going, um, and actually, our our teammates at the time, uh, one of their kids. I remember when we first were there, he was like, "Do you know what that is?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's the call to prayer." He's like, "That's when we're supposed to pray for the people here." Did you know that? Like that they'll know Jesus, and I'm like. That is so good. I like that. You know, 
five times I'm reminded to pray for these people. Um, yeah, and so it's, I can't say that I always prayed for the, the people there, but um, that was a really good perspective. Um, I also saw that God work in the midst of limited language. So like the grocery store across the street that I frequented, the cashier, like the girl that worked there, we ended up becoming friends. And she ended up, you know, even when I barely knew much of the language, was like, hey, come and meet, like come to my little apartment. My roommate and I, she was a college student, you know, we'll make you breakfast. And and they were loving on our, our daughter, who was like one and a half, almost two at the time. And yeah, I'm like, I don't even, can't even talk, but I can go and enjoy this and kind of make do. And But she pursued me in wanting to be a friend. I mean, she did want to practice English, so that's part of it too. But ended up, she became one of my language helpers, and the relationship really grew even in a point of very little language, where I kind of had the expectation of, well, that'll be further down the road. And so it was a blessing to kind of get that taste of, going deeper, even with limited language. And I ended up visiting her. We went with her to her parents' village when I was very pregnant with our second child. And then later went back, um, Brian and I, our family, we went back there after um, our, our daughter was born and got to visit them all together. So that was a relationship that started just from going to the grocery store, but grew into something a lot bigger in the long run. What has it been like raising your children in a different culture? For us, it's probably been more challenging than for them. Um, They don't know any different. So um, coming back to the States is the foreign country for them. Uh, For us, some of the challenges were in parenting styles uh, and values as far as socks or no socks, (laughs) undershirts or no undershirts. Can you have two windows open at the same time? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You're not bundled enough. Yeah, discipline. Um, And then as they got old enough to go into the public school system, uh, it was challenging. Uh, We had to go through elementary school with... uh, a very different system than what we were familiar with. And so there's a lot of times when things that all the other parents, well, they remember this from when they went to elementary school and uh, it was, their educational system was very high on uh, reciting, memorization, uh, regurgitation of information. And so because of that, um, there was a lot of stuff that we didn't know, their poetry, the stuff that defined them as culture that was in their homework. Oh, finish this phrase. Uh, <laughs> and it's a commonly known poem. And we have no clue what that is because we've never heard that poem before. And so I would say the, the most difficulties, it's easy when it's parenting styles and you can say, well, that's just different. Uh, but our inability to help with first grade homework, um, <laughs> that was challenging to your ego. And even the way that they do math um, is very different. So I can get the right answer, but my, my work 
it doesn't line up with, well, that's not the way I was taught to do it, Daddy. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I, I don't understand that way. Mm-hmm. And now it'll be in reverse. Um, mm-hmm. Now that we've, we've come back to the States for this uh, time, they're going into school and they'll be able to get the right answer, but the teacher will look at that and say, how did you come up with that answer? That doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Let me add to that. Uh, there's there's a lot of joy in having our kids there. Like I saw firsthand of how, uh, well, we went with our our oldest was um, a year and four months when we first arrived. And the culture there, they really value and love kids. So that's such a great thing there uh, that um, she opened so many doors for me to meet people because they're like, oh, at this beautiful cute little girl and uh lighter colored hair so they're you know very different than most of them and yeah so attracted they attracted she attracted a lot of attention and broke down some barriers to like okay you have a kid we love kids okay i can talk to you and so i saw just the blessing of children and then our other two daughters were born there so in different cities but even that uh, have open doors for different relationships and and uh, yeah, just family and kids are, are important in their culture and um, provided a lot of natural ways for us to connect to different people and in the community, actually. Um, and also, have an like impact in their friend groups and you know yes we we were we've done first grade twice now <laughs> and actually helped my language a lot in my reading I'm like oh that's how you're supposed to read the different syllables you know properly how they teach first graders how to read mm-hmm. so that was great for our language but also uh the cha- some of the challenges were how do you deal with like public shaming and they're very big on that. And so I even experienced that with with different friends where I wanted something happened and I wanted to pull that daughter aside and have a little private conversation about like, you know, please be kind. I really don't want you to do that or whatever, you know, but not, not saying in front of everyone. And the response from the others would be, what do you say? Why are you keeping a secret? And they they would choose to say that in front of everyone and kind of it's the point of two, you know, the group, if it's in front of the group, you feel more of the shame. And that happened a lot in school too. So trying to help our kids not really care as much about what were they, what rank they were in the class because it was all public knowledge. How do you do on the test? Who got the worst, best grade and pressure put on you and that type of thing. A lot of moms find their value in, where their kid is ranked. So that's a point of conversation. Well, my kid is third in the class. Well, my kid is... How does your daughter do on the test? Yeah. They find their value out of uh, Mm -hmm. how their kids are doing in school. And so trying to instill in our kids that we want you to try hard and do your best in school, but your worth or your value is not based on how this last test went. Mm-hmm. or even how the moms in the class 
either praise you or shame you, but it's in who you are as a daughter of the living God. How have you seen God move in the Middle East and with the people that you've been ministering among? I would say uh, we saw God breaking down barriers and tearing down belief systems of even, well, what, what they thought about Christians, what they thought about how we live or what we believe. Like they're taught very, like, uh, like false things. So, um, several different specific examples that we witnessed of people even acknowledging that, like, wow, we, I totally get it now. Like I've been taught things that were not true about Christians and that being, I really believe a step towards, towards the Lord, because that was a huge barrier to even like considering, uh, that there's a different option out there. Um, we saw uh, different people say, you know, how can a national be a Christian? Like that didn't even fit in their understanding because to be their nationality and their religion, like go hand in hand, there's no separation. And so how, how do you do that? And how could that be? And eye opening experience of wow, that's even a possibility. Like it made sense for the foreigner to be Christian, but for them to come in contact with other nationals who were, was mind-blowing. Um, and also a huge step in several people we know, like in their, uh, God working in their heart and bringing them to salvation. Our time was spent removing rocks or barriers uh, that uh, that had been, ingrained into the population as a fear as a using fear to control uh, the masses and so there's a lot of people there we even had some neighbors that were convinced that we were the best Muslims that they had ever met um, and for a little bit uh, Jen was very concerned about how is it that they think that we're Muslims? We've been living across from these people for such a long time, and have we not shared? And upon further reflection, no, we shared, and, and we thought it was clear, but we've come to the realization that because of what they had been taught their entire life about who Christians were and what they did and the type of people that they were, we didn't fit into that box. They observed us for those years and they couldn't make sense of that other than that we were the best Muslims that they had ever met in their lives um, because of the, the way that we treated the people in the community and our actions. Um, and they had always been taught that that Muslims were the moral people and Christians were the heathens. And so that dichotomy, they didn't know how to handle that. Um, one sad but r realistic thing is apart from their understanding of the West is what they see in media. And so in their country, uh, it's a Muslim country and 
that means that media, all media is controlled by Islam, which means everything that you see on TV represents Islamic values. Now take that in return, the, the media, the movies that they see coming out of Hollywood, if America is a Christian nation, therefore that must represent Christian values. So all of the movies that come out of Hollywood represent the types of people that Christians are. And that's their worldview. And without people going there and engaging and breaking that, uh, there are entire nations of people who have never had the opportunity to meet a Christian before, have never even been able... I mean, how can they believe if they have not heard? But their hearts are so cold uh, and hardened because of all of these lies and uh, deceptive teachings that they've received for generations. Um, and so we need people to step into uh, that arena and to break down. And it might be so that this generation uh, comes to faith, or it might be that they're just not hostile and the next generation is open to considering things. We don't know what the Lord has. We know that our time has uh, come to a close, sadly, uh, in in our host country. But we're praying that there will be people that follow um, and can continue that work. What was your experience like living in a closed country where you have to be more careful about how you present yourself? And we definitely were not... Uh, we're not agents, so it was kind of one of those like, well, no, I don't, I don't feel like I'm sneaking around or anything like that. It, I had to come to terms with, where I should say, I had to prepare for what questions we were most likely going to be asked, and we were asked them almost daily. So the biggest one would, you know, walking along the street, stop in a store. The people there like to chat. And so it's the natural first question is, oh, where are you from? Okay, you're American. Well, what are, what are you, why are you here? Like, why are you in our city? Uh, why are you in our country? We would like to get to America. <laughs> or, and then what, like, what do you do? And so um, having initially, we needed to think through those questions because it, it was... I did feel more pressure in the beginning of like, what am I going to, I don't want someone to ask me a question. Well, in the very beginning, I didn't know what they were saying, so it didn't matter. But then as you gain more language, then it became a little bit more, uh, yeah, I just needed to be prepared. Um, and so it was, I think as the woman, I received more of the questions, more, or I shouldn't, maybe not more questions. More but prodding questions. The women Men are short and sweet. I can give an answer and move the conversation on quickly, and they accept that. Um, <laughs> Where the the women would be like, "Well, what does your husband do?" After I say, "Like I'm, I'm stay at home mom," and well, okay, like if I didn't move the conversation on to like, "Well, but our kids are in school and we love it here," that type of thing. If it lingered, they might start asking more detailed questions, and then it kind of got a little bit more like uncomfortable but uh, I had to come to a point of understanding that 
as Brian often said, information is power. And you, we don't want to give people power to do not good things. So it would come down to what can I say that's true? But I don't need to share everything. And that, I think for my personality, was a little bit harder to come to terms with. So I'm like, but if I don't say everything, then it's not true. Or, so that was a, a mental shift that I needed to come to terms with. And once I was able to come to terms with that, it brought a lot of relief because the, I wasn't feeling like pressure or guilt or whatever. And we dealt with every year needing to renew our, our visas. And at times that was a little nerve wracking. Like we always would say, oh, well, we're here as long as God wants us. But if I'm honest, I didn't really think we would get have to leave. I mean, it was like, well, every year we keep getting it. Um, and I was asked recently, this was back in a few months ago, prior to us leaving, uh, how do you deal with or how do you live with this, Im- like the unknown of will you get it, will you not, that uncertainty. And I was like, well, I don't really feel like it's a big deal because I just, I guess, had come to live with that or... It didn't really dawn on me until it was, oh, yeah, like next month we need to reapply. Oh, yeah, to do all that paperwork. Eh, maybe we won't buy anything big for a while in case we don't get it. But that was pretty much it as far as the stress of that is concerned for me. We had, we had good relationships with uh, most of the people in our city that mm-hmm. we interacted with regularly. and The immigration office, they were always very kind to us. Um, so there was definitely, uh, higher up political pressure. Um, you get used to, uh, being followed occasionally by different police. And, um, but the reality is they're just trying to make sure that we don't have anything nefarious going on. Um, we didn't have anything to hide. Uh, we weren't doing anything illegal uh, by their laws. And so just it's a normal part of the reality. And because of that, you just learn to accept it. Sometimes you have a little fun with it. You could, uh, yeah, they're following us. But they got real uncomfortable if you saw them and went up and started talking to them because they were supposed to be the invisible people, but they weren't all that invisible. Um, so sometimes you could even have some Uh, have some fun with it. Uh, But I think uh, the grace was sufficient uh, in the times. And uh, upon our removal, I think that has brought in, uh, has put meat on the bones in some ways of, you know, we said all these things, uh, but then why were we still surprised? When it, when it happened, uh, when we were told that our, we were, our presence was no longer tolerable. Um, and so I think that that brings in uh, a sense of urgency as well as mm-hmm. we think about what's next and realize that it's a good reminder when you got to evaluate every year, well, are we going to be here and have I accomplished everything that I could in the last year or, okay, we, we've got our visa for the next year. 
So now am I breathing easy and just waiting for the next year? Or are we saying, all right, what can we do to make this this next year uh, really do our best? And who do I want to talk with? Um, and sadly, I don't think we, uh, we didn't fail at that, but there's always areas that we could improve. And that's, that's something that is maybe difficult, uh, when you look back and you think you had more time, uh, and you had lots of plans of what you were going to do, um, both in ministry and relationships and when those are cut short. So I think it's a stark reminder um, that we don't know our number of days mm-hmm. and to really uh, push on because whether it be because of a forceful removal from our area of service or whether it be um, through a vehicle acne, uh, accident or sickness, um, we don't know if there's going to be another opportunity. And so try to live with that zeal. Uh, it's difficult. I don't know that I've done that as well as I should. Um, but I, I think it's, it's something I've really had to think about over the last year. How do you see God working in you and using that time in the Middle East to carry you toward the next steps? I think we're in process for that. Um, I've seen within my girls maybe a tenderness uh, from one to the other at moments that wasn't there before because uh, now they understand that they're all hurt, that we're all hurting. Um, and so although there's extra tension within our family and uh, we're not all as, uh, you know, maybe we can be a little short with each other from time to time. In general, I would say our family has grown stronger as a unit um, mm-hmm. after or continuing to go through this. I won't. I can't say after going through it because we're still in the middle of it. But um, another thing that we've seen is that kids will base their reaction off of their parents. And so the best thing that we can do um, is that we cry out to the Lord for help and we acknowledge our own, uh, our weakness and our inability to do things on our own. Um, and talking about that, talking about the pain and the loss with the kids, but fr- helping them to frame it because they feel all those same things and they don't know how to frame that. An ad- additional thing that I've seen God grow in me as well as in our kids is an ability to view our things more as as his and you know we had to leave and get rid of all of our stuff most of our stuff and that was hard but it was also really great to see our girls be able to say who do, who friend do you want to give your bike to what friend do you want to give these things to or uh to give joyfully yeah, and to be excited that someone else gets the blessing of using that. And uh, and just because you're giving it away doesn't mean you're going to get the same thing when we get to America. Like, we're not, you know, going to replenish everything you had to give. But um, to realize that, you know, we 
have been blessed to have this and now we can we not we were able to sell some things but most stuff we gave away and to see them grow in that oh my kids especially was really huge and i i'm thankful for the opportunity to to have to to as you said to um brian that the god's grace to grow us in those areas like where had we stayed you know you just kind of keep on, but reminder that all we have is his anyway, and we just have the opportunity to to steward it for a bit, and you know maybe we need to get rid of it or need to it's not ours to steward anymore. Um, so that's a good reminder about stuff, and I don't want to hang on to it, and it's easy when you stay in one spot to get maybe it more attached. So I'm thankful for that. Not that I've arrived, but that I uh, am growing in that understanding and seeing it that way. One of the most difficult things for me is not knowing what's next. When you've had the carpet ripped out from underneath you, um, and for a long time I thought about, well, we should have a plan B, and then we realized, well, if you're really making a plan B, then you're not fully engaged in the time that you're there. And so we intentionally didn't have a plan B, and then when everything uh, goes topsy-turvy, now we need to kind of try to figure that out. And it's interesting. I thought I had spent the last nine years of my life learning to live in ambiguity. Uh, and I'd say, you know, we're, we're so good. And then the circumstances or the parameters of that ambiguity change, and I'm right back to where I was. Um, so I think it's God's grace mm-hmm. to bring us through these things because we have all kinds of blind spots that we're unaware of. And uh, Lord willing, as we continue in ministry and wherever that is next, uh, we are better and stronger and our theology uh, is stronger. Um, And we're not the same people going to the next location that we were when we first showed up and in our first area of service, that um, we've learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Our, we've had tests and trials. Um, and I think when you're looking to go into ministry, you hear all of these amazing stories uh, from uh, seasoned missionaries that are now sitting in retirement homes and we love to hear those stories and i remember naively thinking i can't wait uh to be able to have those types of stories uh and i'll i'll tell you what the lord is still good but it's not nearly as fun as what it sounds like uh, when you're going through it but it's god's grace to see us mature through those processes and so i think just as much as our time there um it was a blessing, and we're, it was great to be able to see the way the, the Lord is working and growing his church there. Um, that part is over, but the lessons that we've learned through that process, uh, that can't be taken away by any government. Um, and so the Lord has grown us so much more than we would have had we not taken those steps. How can people be praying for you and your family as you take the next steps in your journey? This transition was uh, not surprising, but unexpected. Uh, So in terms of that, uh, 
um, really trying to make sure that we're in a good place. You, you can pray that we would be able to find joy in serving in a new location. Um, I think my the saying that I've been saying is, uh, I'm excited to be excited about something, but I'm not excited about anything now. And part of that is going through the grieving period, um, counting our losses, uh, and relinquishing them uh, to the Lord. But as we start looking, when you have, so we're a family of five, and uh, my wife and I, we're not, rarely are we at the same place in the grieving process. And then we've got three little girls that we're trying to shepherd as well. And so what does it look like to be led by the Lord, uh, but also helping to lead the hearts of uh, our daughters and to help them remember that the we've left our home uh, and where we are temporarily uh, and likely we're going to go somewhere else and we don't know how long that will be and so yeah how do we shepherd our family well and also that we are make good use of the time that we have both here and then as we step into a new ministry it's we want to be good shepherds and sometimes being a good shorter of time might mean sitting down and evaluating things it, it doesn't always mean getting out and running a thousand miles an hour um, but through the recoup process that we would be able to as we go into the next ministry that we would be able to love as well and fully uh, or maybe even love better because of what we went through um, and that that perspective would help to give us uh, a more Christ-like framework of where we're at in that moment. Yeah, I, I would just say that transition, I mean, we're kind of in this perpetual transition right now of uh, resettling, but not too much. Uh, our kids will go to school. That'll be a new deal. Uh, I won't have anyone at home during the day. That'll be a new deal. Uh, but also, just like Brian said, to use the time well. Uh, it's a little bit uncomfortable for me to, well, maybe a lot, to not know exactly what we should be doing or what we are doing or what, like kind of feel lost. But then also, well, okay, I don't want to feel this way, so let me just fill the schedule. And it like kind of jump in and overcommit. And then maybe I'm not taking the time to do some important things towards healing and uh, just rest or like recovery uh, and preparation for the next thing that would be good to do. So wisdom with how to use our time and that it would be really God honoring and that I would love my family well. I would be able to really, uh, yeah, help them all through this too. And... I am thankful that even though that chapter is finished, that doesn't mean we're finished. And for a while we felt that way. 
So it's nice to be at a spot where you can kind of see, okay, God, I don't know what it is yet, but I know there's something else that you have for us. And there's something in the meantime, too. There's, we're not in a little vacuum. We have neighbors. We have, you know, I'll get to meet moms of kids at school, and that could be a new ministry right there. So in the meantime, um, yeah, I want to I do it all for his glory. To learn more about World Team's ministry opportunities, go to us.worldteam.org and click Go at the top of the page. To see prayer requests from World Team workers, click Pray. To give to World Team's ministries, click Donate.